Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Munzenheiter and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we're discussing skateboard coverage in mainstream outlets, like the New York Times coverage of Dimes Live at Olympic Stadium, and we're also talking about Quarter Snack's question about the best five videos of the past decade. Jason, what's your take on skateboard coverage in the everyday press? Yeah, it's funny. Like, you remember... In, like, I guess the 80s and 90s, they'd always have some corny article in your local paper when, like, a skate park opened. And they'd oh, have, yes. yeah, and they'd have some, like, photo of, like, here, you know, little Johnny performs a skateboard trick. And, like, you could tell that the person who took the photo had no idea how to shoot skate photos. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is way different. And it's cause it's interesting for a couple reasons. One, to my knowledge, they're all written by people who skate. But they're not written in like a pseudo Phelps like Hellride kind of voice. It's pretty like you know to the point and written so that civilians or whatever you call people that don't skate, like regulars, normals, whatever. I don't know. People call them all types of shit. Can uh, can understand it, but not in a corny way. So it's pretty tight. I think. I mean, it's something different from the usual skate media, and yeah, it portrays skating like a legit way so i think it's pretty tight yeah i always think it's interesting to see a like a actual journalistic uh publication take on skateboarding and kind of give us a glimpse of things that maybe skateboarding doesn't doesn't want to or doesn't care to talk about or it's just always interesting to see what what the normies take out of skateboarding or what the skaters bring to these normie publications because yeah, like you said, all these articles are written by people who actually do skate. So they, they've got that in the community perspective, but then they're also professional journalists who know how to talk to a broader audience. I think building off that, and I'm not sure if it's places that skateboarding and skateboard journalism don't normally want to go, or if it's just like places that skaters, writing for skaters, don't think to take things. Like... Uh, one thing that comes to mind is Noah Johnson wrote a Jason Dill profile for GQ and like Jason Dill's so familiar to any of us. But when, when you're describing that dude to a civilian, I, I go with civilian, not normie civilian audience. I think Johnson had a line where he said that Dill looks like someone famous and it's like, yeah, duh, he does. But you take that for granted as an everyday skateboard viewer. So I think sometimes like delving into that, like a level of explanation below what you need for like a skateboard audience going lower and thus going deeper. I think it, it's sometimes more illuminating to read that like general audience journalism media, but written by skaters where I think it's a uh, most of the time for it in this like current era of it, it. I enjoy it a lot. I'm always excited whenever, you know, you get to see skateboarding outside of the normal places. But now that we're in this like Renaissance with, actual skaters working for big glossy magazines and at the times like it's just it's generally really good i've found yeah well there was like the new york times piece on the dime thing there was a gq piece on the dime thing and there was also willie staley's profile of tyshawn in the new york times magazine i think i don't subscribe to new york times but like the webpage says it was a magazine that was really tight because he kind of explain the culture in a way that civilians could understand like you know a video part is uh you know it's kind of like a musician who makes a you know really dope record or something like that you know 
So that was I think he did a really good job like explaining the culture for civilians. Yeah, I think it's interesting that these guys kind of hold a mirror up to skateboarding that we don't like like see things are yeah we see them but we don't really think about them like you said Jason Dill looks famous and yeah we kind of take that for granted like we just yeah that's what Jason Dill looks like but to some everyday person he certainly stands out. Yeah, and there's other other little things that these articles pick up on that we just kind of take for granted and wouldn't really bother to mention if we were writing for a skate publication. But it's cool to see what these guys pick out to point out to people, to the civilians that we're calling them now. Yeah, I do like that. Hold, holds a mirror to skateboarding more than, more than what the regular skate press does. And in a way, I'd argue that it's taking the subject matter a little bit more serious than an everyday thrasher or, you know, name your, name your outlet piece is going to take it. Not that thrasher or your Jenkum are doing a disservice to skateboarding, but it, I feel like there's, there's more time that goes into these and it is that like professional, like a hyper professional level of journalism. Like this is, you know, we're talking the New York times and GQ. So this is like cream of the crop type stuff and elsewhere. Yeah, I think the fact that like Willie Staley, I mean, he definitely reported that piece on TJ over seemed like what nine, ten months, and got some access to points that I don't think you know you normally do in the regular skateboard churn. Got access to Tyshawn at points, you know, where 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 people don't normally get it, and I think it just creates a different product than what we're used to. I'm trying to think of other situations where, like, you know, I suppose gardeners do gardening articles, but it still kind of seems like a unique situation. People that do something purely recreational, but then they're professional journalists getting to write in the realm of what they do for fun. I don't know. It it seems unique. Yeah, it does seem unique. And I, I always think that skateboarding is super unique. But then I wonder, like, you know, sometimes when I hear sports coverage on NPR, which is like, you know, not really a sports coverage uh, venue, I think it's kind of a similar thing. Like they, they're like explaining like, yeah, this basketball player is super athletic and really tall or, you know, whatever, <laughs> like yeah. obvious shit. But it's like, yeah, I don't know anything about basketball, so I need that shit explained to me. You know, maybe skateboarding is not that special in that way, even though skateboarding I, I, I is the most say. special thing ever. But Yeah, I'll just add real quick. Uh, one of the basketball podcasts I listened to, a guy pointed out, I think both dudes on the podcast were talking about like the times that they sh- shook Shaquille O'Neal's hands. And he's basically like the largest human out there functioning. And I think one of the guys was like, yeah, my hand fucking disappeared. And it was like, Okay, that's some insight. That's in some insight into how big Shaq is. But uh, Jason, you were saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the closest comparison I can think of is when, like, you know, retired basketball players become commentators and they kind of give you some insight into, you know, the ins and outs of the league or whatever. But, yeah, not so much on ESPN because, you know, they're still, except for Charles, Charles Barkley or whatever, they, they're pretty much, like, you know, corny. And they say, like, well, what you would expect him to say, but like Gilbert Arenas's podcast is pretty sick because he gives you some insight into, you know, things only a player would know. So shit like that is the only comparison I can think of. Or maybe like Slam. I, I think like when Slam magazine came out, the people who wrote for it were like hoopers or were super into it. Mm-hmm. So that's the only comparison I can think of. I don't know. Thinking about these uh, professional journalists covering skateboarding, I always wonder what the pitch is like. You know, how obviously these guys know why Dime is important or why Tyshawn is important, but how do they pitch it to their civilian boss? And then, you know, what what is 
what is the editor's reaction? You know, like I'd, I'd be super interested to know what that is. So like, yeah, Noah, if you're if you're listening or anybody else, hit me up. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like newspaper editors are like more hip to it or whatever than they used to be. Like, like I don't think they're probably not like you know like J. Jonah Jameson from Spider Man anymore. You know what I mean? Like some old guy smoking a cigar, wearing suspenders. So probably like as you know the culture gets older and you know more advanced, the people like in charge. Are gonna be more hip to it and shit, probably. But like, how do you guys think this shit's gonna like explode next year with the Olympics and shit, or what? Yeah, I think we're gonna get a lot more skate-related, Olympic-related news stories. I, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and somebody mentioned the Wall. Or Jason, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal, didn't you? Yeah. So I just quickly googled Wall Street Journal skateboarding, and the first thing that came up was a story from a day ago about Neil Hendricks and his uh, oh, USA thing. skateboarding uh, suspension uh, stuff that I don't really want to get into. Yeah, he made it He made it in the Wall Street Journal. That's pretty funny, dude. Because, like, I think I mentioned that because my parents subscribed to it, and my mom still, like, cuts out articles that are about shit, you know what I mean? Like, how to do your laundry, like, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, that's pretty funny. I wonder if she'll cut that one out. <laughs> she <laughs> might not cut that one out hope not yeah but like yeah with the olympics my dad would probably like so who's this nigel houston and i'm gonna be like well you know he's pretty good but he just does contests so it's kind of weird so i don't know that's just gonna be weird next summer uh, i just wanted to jump in with like the serious coverage maybe not so much olympic but mention um the uh like gx 1000 crew with that uh, security guard in SF where, you know, one of them has already had a hung or yeah, a hung jury in, in an assault trial. Um, the Times had that story regarding kind of the the murkiness of the situation, you know, unearthed new, well, you know, brought to light things that hadn't been seen by the public before. So I think between that and like the USA skateboarding um, Hendrix situation, I think that there's a lot of work that can be done that the skateboard press either doesn't want to take up or probably couldn't do the job needed to be done on, or I think that like that comes in and does a job and does a service for both skaters, non-skaters. It's good to see serious journalists coming in and taking on these serious stories that are really just kind of like outside the scope of the skate media, which, you know, their job really is to make skateboarding seem super cool and make you want to buy more skate shit. Was that in the, uh, in the New York times or the San Francisco, what's the San Francisco paper, the Tribune or whatever? uh chronicle maybe chronicle yeah yeah that's it i'm pretty sure it was the times it was uh yeah. skate twitter homie connor doherty was uh involved in it yeah so that was by matt ruby and connor doherty and i actually spoke to connor about it he was he, he comes to minneapolis every summer and uh he, he said he he didn't actually have much with that he, he was more of a contributing uh reporter but Matt Ruby is the same guy who did the who did the dime live at Olympic Stadium times piece and uh, kind of going back to how they pitch or maybe not so much. I tracked down his tweet and all Matt Ruby said was, you know, the times let me go to dime MTL live at Olympic Stadium. And I think that kind of maybe that belies a little bit of like, all right, I'm throwing this out here. Will you let me cover this thing? Oh, hell yeah, they did. So I it, kind of seems like maybe it's still a crapshoot with editors but you know dudes know what they're talking about dudes know how to cover it in compelling ways so yeah i wonder what the response has been from editors you know i i imagine editors in this day and age pay attention to clicks and shares and retweets and all that shit 
and they're like, okay, this skateboard article did, you know, 15% better than this article on housing policy or whatever. Well, that's so what it's all about, man. The, uh, the metrics. Yeah. So I'd be interested to know how, how yeah. the skate metrics measure up to traditional news. Yeah, like, it would be funny if they started covering stuff that's, uh, like, in skating, but, like, you know, thrash or whatever is just super reluctant to cover, like, you know, that whole Jason Jesse thing or whatever, shit like that, shit like that ever comes up. Like, the only place where, I think Gencom covers that shit to a certain extent. There was a really good Vice piece on it, which oh, is, yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. that's, like, traditional news adjacent, I'd say. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. They're serious, serious journalists. But young, I guess. Yeah, BuzzFeed seems like they could take up some of the uh, more like skateboard culture, internet culture type stuff. But haven't seen. Uh, maybe we don't have a skater at BuzzFeed yet to really jump on that. That could be you, Mike. <laughs> Shit. There we go. BuzzFeed editors, if you're listening, I need a job. Doesn't BuzzFeed aren't they the website that just does like articles but like in gif form like they don't use writing they just use gifs or some shit like that well in that case oh, <laughs> i know you. where you're going <laughs> holler at your boy <laughs> oh are you gonna do the jason jesse story in gifs <laughs> shit that'd be that'd, that'd be, be interesting <laughs> yeah that would be something i'd have to learn how to like animate uh to fill in the blanks of stuff we don't have video of. Yeah, actually, yeah. BuzzFeed job is for the skateboard internet gift king. But there's serious journalists at BuzzFeed. There, there's BuzzFeed people covering White House stories and stuff. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They, they've got a good news team. Do you guys have any favorite mainstream coverage you've seen? Shit, probably... Yeah, probably the Will, Willie Staley piece, because, he did. yeah, he did, like, a really, like, thorough job of describing, like, the ollie over the subway stop like on the cover of thrasher and shit like it was pretty it was pretty tight i dug it shout out that guy i like that he got quotes from tj's mom and she said that like the pro skater model as a job is kind of bullshit that was pretty tight so i guess we do have our favorites templeton yeah when i was uh googling wall street journal skate stuff i was reminded of an article from 2013 about bobby warrist skating pulaski um and being less bothered by the police because of the government shutdown oh uh, yeah thought that was a fun fun little piece that was in the wall street journal in the journal yeah yeah well that takes us from our favorite uh mainstream journalism about skateboarding to our favorite full-length skateboard videos in the last decade Quarter Snacks this week asked readers for help IDing the five best full-length videos of the past decade, along with the five best parts, from 2010 on. The year 2020 is just months away. Taking up the five best videos question, Mike, how do you approach this? Well, it's actually pretty difficult because I think as we all kind of figured out, realized, like, 10 years, especially in skateboard video terms, is a long, long time. And I'd actually hope that Quarter Snacks was going to have like, you know, some sort of form or something. But no, they they want it wide open. No suggestion. So I actually went to skatevideosite.com. Bless whoever is behind that thing, because it is. Seriously, I use the site so much. You should get a Patreon because that's like a crazy resource. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, so many idle thoughts of like, I need to know this soundtrack fact right away. Um (laughs) They also have a wonderful feature that allows you to search for videos by the year they were were released. 
you know, I did my best for our show notes here to go through and grab videos from 2010 on. I think it presents like a unique question because even in 2010, like the line between full length videos, parts, standalone parts that could be considered a video is already blurry because that was the year that like the Gravis Dylan video came out. And I mean, I think there's even there was even that P-Rod video where he skates to Kanye. I think that might have even been 2009. So it's already kind of like this flipping and mixing of the genres and what is what. So um, that's how I tried to approach it. I guess I don't necessarily need to go into my, my, my favorite videos or what I think are the best videos. But yeah, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this, Jason? Well, like, first of all, yeah, I was thinking about this all day at work. And I didn't know about skate video sites being searchable by year. So I was like going nuts trying to figure out a strategy just to, you know, vote. So I was like, well, I'll like get go somewhere that has a list of brands and just drill down from there. Like see what videos they, they came out with and parts within those. But like what constant what do you think constitutes a full link video, whether like in physical form or on the Internet? Is it like length or like? There's a bunch of fucking, like, 10-minute promos that were super tight. Like that Bobby and Yalte part, that was amazing. I still watch that all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a full length. No. But I definitely think it's gotten uh, squishy. Well, I would say, like, Tim and Henry's Pack of Lies. Not a full length. Definitely a promo. But nobody's going to really argue with you if you say, yeah, that's my favorite video ever. No. So it's tough to it's tough to put, like... Those type like a length requirement on anything, I would argue. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that really throws a wrench in things. I mean maybe maybe we could just say that Tim and Henry's is a the exception to the rule because what is mm-hmm. it? Tim and Henry's is a Tim Gavin part. Is that mm-hmm. right? There's a real there's a like a two minute long blind section. There's a Tim Gavin part and the Henry part. Yeah, so that's like three segments but like there were promo videos all the time like uh the foundation one cocktails like promo videos just like a 10 minute video but then like yeah it gets weird because like all the one-on-one videos were like 10 minutes long those are like some of the best videos ever so yeah it's crazy i don't know but but yeah so like when you look on skate video site does it give you like web releases or just like i think it's just physicals right like just physical videos no it does web releases too oh go oh, shit all right it's it's just about everything and uh, another thing that I'd throw out there, still a ton of independent or smaller time videos that like, you know, maybe never even got on your radar, but that might have been the most consistent thing that I noticed for the past decade. Like there's still a bunch of skateboard video being made, whether or not it made it on my radar, kind of a cool illustration of how uh, how much work still gets done. And yeah, random thought. And I should point out um, YouTube for Tim and Henry's with the blind part and, you know, the promo about coming this fall, full-length blind video, 10 minutes and 36 seconds is what it's saying. Yeah, that doesn't feel like a full-length to me, but, yeah, certainly a a complete video. Um, See, I kind of hard to make the distinction. I mean, we'll have to leave it to quarter snacks to to really 
uh, define it, but they've also asked for the best clips or the best video parts. parts. Yeah. Uh, so they're, I think they would put Dylan in the second category and not the full length category. Yeah, that part kind of changed the game. But uh, I don't know. I kind of think his part in Cherry was better because he like had all those crazy picnic table lines and shit. Iconic yeah. song for sure. I think the Dylan part is more iconic. Yeah, the song in like the Gravis part is super iconic too. Fuck. But on to full lengths. See, Mike's got a few marked on our list. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out a couple titles there that I'm a hundred percent confident in. I would argue the Supreme video, Cherry, pretty much like a decade definer in a lot of ways like came out in 2014 yeah immediately everyone started dressing differently like the next day like there are all those memes like saw cherry once and shit yeah like it's it's definitely driven style since like you know skaters who are kind of on the leading edge were already doing it in the years preceding the video but i mean there's still plenty of dudes who like uh, run looks out of that video and or are like following all the kids and now men grown-ass men who are in that video i think that that, yeah i mean it's just kind of we don't really have a name for this decade but it was definitely it it, probably the most influential video of the decade especially too if you start looking at like music selection excuse me music supervision like the strobeck filming style like we're gonna it's gonna have a long tail of influence and then if i gotta name check one other video it's definitely polar video from Last year, we blew it at some point. I think uh, I probably like that video better than Cherry. But in the grand scheme, like Cherry's probably going to loom largest over this like 2010s decade. I agree with you 100% about Cherry and about the Polar video. That's that's a full length that I continue to go back to when I have you know the time to watch a full length, which isn't very often. But it's like, what do I want right. to watch? Oh, I'll watch that Polar video. I um, mean, it's a half hour that I can you know put uh, actually put it on the TV and like, oh, I just watched it. You know, I actually put in a half hour because it just keeps going and it keeps you stoked. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's my favorite video of the decade, but. Jason, where, where are you at on this? Oh, is, is that the one where he used uh, the song from Hocus Pocus? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was uh, getting ready for this episode. I was just kind of looking through my physical collection and just tripping out on stuff. Like, the one thing I, I noticed was, like, there was no, I don't think, anyway, I don't think there was a questionable type of video or something that just, like, pushed shit forward. You know what I mean? In terms of progression and shit. Like, maybe we thought the Plan B video was going to do that, but it didn't really, like, shit, there's too much content out there now, probably. But, like, one thing I noticed was the people, you know, that stood out the most were those people, like, the pole, who's, um, Pontus Alve. He has a crazy body of work, like, the two Polar videos, Search of the Miraculous, one before that, Strange to the Strange or whatever. He has, like, four or five solid videos over the decade i think search of miraculous came out this this decade i don't know i don't know about strange of the strange but anyway yeah and like, search of miraculous came out in 2010 i yeah. put it on the list i noticed mike had not put it on the list i have a the mea culpa i or something along those lines i have not heard of that video somehow though in 2010 2010 was about like my maximum disconnection from skateboarding i was yeah going to school not skating but working at a skate shop so it was like the perfect brew of disassociation with skateboarding or at least enjoying it so uh yeah, that's that's my big admission for this episode. Yeah, Pontus had a sick run. run. Um, the bronze, like Pete from Bronze, had a sick run. Like I was just looking through YouTube, like he had like a 
trilogy pretty much of like solo jazz that was crazy trust in 2015 and the one last year which was pretty sick plus enron which is kind of like a promo kind of i want to stick to like that whole vibe you know super influential and also pretty much like also strobeck you know what i mean his whole vibe so like if there's one common thread it's probably like the people that stood out the most you know were just like filmmakers who had their own voice kind of so almost you know? a decade of auteurs or something yeah. Yeah, just not not like one crazy video that blew everything apart. Was the last one crazy video that blew everything apart? Could you argue it was fully flared as far as like really pushing skateboarding in a direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that people kind of like went the other way. Kind of it was like on a street level. I don't think kids like started getting super tech or whatever i think it kind of went the other way which kind of led to the whole like relatable skating thing which has led to people skating like ledges that aren't ledges like a cutout thing in the sidewalk as a ledge you know what i mean so right funny how that worked out speaking of tours uh when we were talking about that is the gx 1000 guys they've had a good run with you know mostly web clips but their their first full length the gx 1000 was so fucking good um Mm -hmm. that's would definitely be top three for me of the decade and yeah i think i I, I put my initials by it on the list it's it's there yeah i was happy to see that i right below it on your list is away days which for me wouldn't have made it on the list at all i felt like that was such a um you know there was such a build-up for it and then it was like not that exciting to me yeah i was thinking about that one earlier like i think lucas's part in that was super sick can't really remember anything else except for sushu's part which i just watched a couple weeks ago because of that whole sushu thing yeah, i really enjoyed if, if there was one lasting part for me out of there it was miles silvis that was kind of like his oh shit this dude is really good section you know the good song too but yeah i I don't know what was it about away days was it sometimes i feel like videos can be too glossy a little too well produced you almost see the corporate overlords when it comes to some of those videos i think i think it happens with nike sb as well yeah i think with away days like i remember i think boostnet skates to snoop dog and it's just like oh my god like i'm sure that costs so much money and it's just like i don't know just tasteless it's like flaunting it they were like uh yeah it was like not really like the vibe that you know people fuck with you know what i mean what's What's so weird is that Adidas put out just bangers of like web clips. I mean, there was that New York clip that ended with Pete Eldridge, like cigarette line at night, probably Midtown or something. And like all that shit was so good. And then it seems that the executive, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea. It seems like the executives need to get their hands on involved with like the bigger ones. Yeah, I think somebody at Adidas needed to have a big thing and they're like, we need to do a full length because that's what big companies do, even though the world was moving away from full lengths and what they were doing with those tour videos was fucking amazing. I remember I had a job interview at Nike uh, the day that one of their tour videos dropped or maybe the day after and the guys at Nike were like, man, we need to be making shit like this. This is cool. And then Adidas just stepped away from that. Did they ask you why you wanted the job? Learning interview questions like, why do you want this job? I mean, I think it was pretty clear why I wanted the job. (laughs) I want to make you gifts. Yeah. What's your, what would you say your biggest weakness is? (laughs) And then you're like, well, sometimes I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I work too hard. Fuck, I hate <laughs> job interviews. But I thought that job interview went really well, and I didn't get the job. But yeah, you can never tell me. John Rattray beat me out for it, so I can't be that uh, mad. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, seriously, shout out that guy. Yeah, I'm, g- I'm going to have to take a lot of time this month to um, peruse, get video site, 
and look through my physical collection and think about top five videos and top five parts. It's a lot. It's a lot of data to uh, comb through. I gotta look back at like all the um, Halos web clips because some of that shit is my favorite. Like that Ninja Torture video. I still watch that shit a lot when they're skating all those crazy spots in like uh, whatever Shanghai or Hong Kong. But like they made it look sick. It was like all VX. That's one of my favorite shits this decade. Yeah, I think going through the web clips is gonna be a quite a task. My my method for that is going to be to go through the uh, mostly skateboarding Tumblr archive and see which gifts stand out to me, and then kind of uh, work back from that. But there's, yeah, I, I always forget Tumblr still exists. Still exists. Ever since they got rid of the porn, like forgot it existed. But yeah, hadn't, hadn't been the same over there since they got rid of the dirty stuff. That's a good strategy. Yeah, I'm also gonna drill drill down through uh brands like look at whatever skate park at tampa site or whatever and uh maybe the theory site just get out drill down from brands to like full links to web clips see what i come up with i don't know but the hellas video is supposed to come out pretty soon so that might make it on the list if it if it comes out before whatever the deadline is the 29th or whatever it might make it on the list because that's like exactly my fucking wheelhouse. Yeah, that's modern day Eurotech. Yeah it's Euro yeah just like every Eurotech person out I mean, based on the ad, isn't giving me that video, so pretty pretty psyched for that. Fuck yeah! So I might out myself as just a really like mainstream skatehead, but I do wonder about early decade big videos. Like, are we kind of stuck with a recency bias for some of our choices, or have things not aged well, or has skateboarding like really really turned since well since like 2010 2012? And I got two videos I want to ask about in particular: the America video, Stay Gold, and pretty sweet i think i had pretty sweet as like maybe a maybe a top five maybe a six maybe a seven but like do and i think i know kind of know the answer based on all our tastes but like where did those videos fit in yeah i thought pretty sweet was sick like it has one of like mark johnson's best parts i think that part was really well put together Mm -hmm. but i actually thought sean malto's part was pretty good based on like the song and shit but yeah based on like the slapboard reaction yeah i don't think that really hit like as far as like what i'm trying to say is yeah there probably is a lot of recency what do you say recency bias yeah yeah yeah. there's probably a lot of that going on yeah i think there's recency bias but i also think that you know in the cases of stay gold and pretty sweet where they fall in the canon for those brands is not at the top yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like you're probably gonna put this is skateboarding on the top of america's list and maybe shit mouse for girl chocolate at the top so i think that we look at those videos uh you know the shadow of earlier years looms large over those so when we see pretty sweet we think about you know yeah right and mouse and everything that came before it whereas you know cherry or gx 1000 those don't have as much uh baggage so they can yeah true stand on their own yeah and they're probably better indicative of like where skateboarding is and was going when they came out both cherry and the gx video whereas like yeah i mean it's always tough to be in those buffer years if if we're looking at decades as like coherent units it actually lines up pretty well in this case of of skate videos but they're, they're, they're probably just not the best exemplars 
of this decade of skateboarding either. So well appreciated those answers. Yeah, I think those early years are kind of transitional because I, I don't see any favorites until yeah later in uh, yeah the later half of the decade is where I get excited about videos. Except for the Skate Mafia video <laughs> and that the one after that where it was like a team up with a like a Marvel team up with a Sweet which morphed into Sour. That's those two videos are pretty sick. Yeah, I would say one thing that did me no favors and trying to like get a quick run through year by year was the tendency of skate video makers to just like make you know what's a good example oh like no 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 offense man but sabotage one two three four five like i'm not sophisticated enough to keep track of all these videos just based on numbers and that seemed to really come in vogue i mean even nike was doing that sb chronicles volume one through three etc yeah really like uh i think i have sb chronicles on itunes or something i should go back and watch that yeah i got those lurking out there but uh oh yeah sabotage yeah that was the other uh auteur that i was thinking of oh yeah uh, pam bianco like those videos are crazy that's like three four and five i don't think i've seen i probably watched one and two a couple of times like i think they're the extras on there somewhere but yeah, like I was saying, like main people that made impact, I think, were those like filmmakers, videographers that like had a distinct voice and just like came out with a ton of shit. Speaking of filmmakers with a voice, uh, one that didn't make it onto Mike's list, but definitely would have been on mine is Colin Reed, uh, who made Tinju, God of Mischief and uh, Spirit yeah. Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put and that. Those videos are so fucking incredible. I definitely think, you know, Quarter Snacks criteria is what... Um, what videos would you basically put in a time capsule? And I think that Spirit Quest or Tinju, probably Tinju, yeah, would fucking blow future skaters' minds, I think. Yeah, Spirit Quest was sick, too, with, like, uh, well, you had the VX kickflip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, people, like, morphing into animals and shit, like, mm -hmm. that shit was pretty cool. Yeah, shout out Colin. I think uh, maybe talking more absence is not, not from my list necessarily, but... Uh, well, I guess it would be from my list, like the absence of a zero video that was really, um, really important, I guess, is the easiest way to say, like, it, it was interesting looking at, again, 10 years of skateboarding, in, in essence, and noticing that like a lot of brands that, you know, have made really influential videos. And I think maybe it is more of that kind of like, where do these stand in the hierarchy and their brand canons? Like there's no real zero videos that stood out, no toy machine videos that stood out. Um, yeah, there's a lot of brands that aren't really represented in this past decade as far as anything that I think is really like going to be buried under my house in that time capsule. Yeah, I think that really speaks to the the churn and the change in uh, tastes over the years. You know, a company that was hot 10 years ago isn't going to be hot now. And, you know, we're always looking for the new shit. You know, like, is bronze going to be on the, the next decade's list? Or, it, you know, is trust too hard to top? I hope so, because, I, yeah, I think that guy's work, but who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Not me. I got to say, the future of the podcast next week, we'll probably talk about clips from the past decade. That's so hard, man, damn. Clips meaning like uh like your average like thrasher solo part or whatever. Yeah, you're like three to eight minute whatever tour video promo video part, that kind of thing. I think it included just parts generally. Let me let me look at this. Let me look at this. I have best individual skate video parts. So Okay. All right. So this is, this is pretty wide open, guys. Might, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need to get the interns on this double time. 
I think this is a lot deeper than uh than just the videos list. Yeah, that's that's gonna take some time. So it's good that we're talking about it now, so we can get ready and our listeners can get ready too. Maybe you can uh, write in with some suggestions of your favorites. Yeah, or hit us up on Twitter or whatever. For sure. Well, until then, Mike, what are you stoked on? That's a good question. <laughs> what am I stoked on? You know what? I am stoked on. I think I have a silly tendency as a skateboarder who's been in a lot of pain for a long time with just like nagging injuries, like, I don't know, wrist that you think is sprained that might be broken. Or um, in this case, what I'm actually going to talk about is like the ball of my foot has hurt for, I don't know, six or seven months. And you just kind of deal with it and it hurts, but you don't think about it all that much. I just figured out that I could stretch my calves because your calf muscle is connected to your like the tendons that run the bottom of your foot and so i'd get super bad ball of the foot pain from skating and even wearing like the wrong shoes but i have spent the last 24 or so hours stretching my calves and it has brought relief to my uh to the bottom of my feet so that's what i'm stoked on this week that's your achilles no i'm talking even even further down the foot it's a weird one i think uh I'm going to get you the technical term because I've had Achilles tendonitis too. I already made it through that. That was whack. Now, the one I thought was going to come up, but uh, perhaps I have metatarsal metatarsalgia. Metatarsalgia. It's kind of whack, but I think I'm figuring it out, guys. That's what I'm stoked on this week. Jason, what are you stoked on? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Venture trucks, of course. There's also, well, what do y'all think the most underrated part of the country is for visiting skating all that shit that's a good question most underrated i don't know rust belt okay all right just Maybe. throwing it out there i was gonna say new orleans true true new orleans tight what about tennessee it's only, ah. like, only like an hour and a half flight from new york it's pretty cheap there's like hiking and outdoor shit if you're into that shit there's skating i don't know about the status of legislative but there's some pretty sick spots and uh, this guy, Corey Rosson, just came out with a video called Two Country, which is pretty much all Nashville, Tennessee spots. Pretty stoked on it. It has a little uh, Ross Norman part, so that's tight. Music supervision is pretty much all country. Like, it's all country except for, like, a couple, like, Project Pat, 3-6 Mafia tracks, which fits as well. So, been watching that, digging it. Sick, sick to see new spots, especially, like, in places that you don't see that often, so pretty stoked on that video. You can get it at what's the website here? NoloNashville.com. Yeah, NoloNashville.com. So fuck with that guy if you're into physical media or just independent skate videos in general. And gonna say one thing that I'm not stoked on or fucking bummed out on is what happened to Stalin Plaza like over the past week. I guess like in comparison to like all the vile shit going on in the world, it's not that big of a deal, but it's still a bummer when like a important place like that gets uh well its status is in question severely i think based on what i've seen a lot of the like instagram posts are in check or whatever so i couldn't read them but looks pretty uh pretty bleak over there so fucking bummed out about that yeah well we've got our friend on the ground our skate twitter reporter on the ground paul connor paul connor or paul o'connor i don't remember anyway he's he's in uh prague reporting uh, on the regular so follow him for updates Paul O'Connor. Thank you. So, Templeton, uh, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on uh, sunrise season. Basically, there's this time of year when the time that I wake up coincides roughly with sunrise. So, I can get up, get out of bed, 
go outside and look at the sunrise. And this also is a time of year when there's clouds in the sky, but it's not like full, you know, gray out. It's uh, it's really perfect for epic sunrises. And if I climb on the roof of my house, which I can do from my porch without a ladder, I can see Mount Hood in the distance and the sun rises from behind Mount Hood. So it's like, get some pretty fucking epic views and it's a pretty awesome way to start the day. So I'm stoked on sunrise season. Yeah, that's sick. You got to get your vitamin D. Sounds spectacular. But I've got a collection of Mount Hood sunrise photos on my Flickr account. So I'll link to that in the show notes so you guys can can dig on the epic sunrises. That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links and other show notes. You can always keep up with us online. Uh, Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at Carbonite1994. On the Instagram, at FrozenCarbonite. And writing stuff for Quarter Snacks. New stuff coming this month, probably. Actually, definitely. <laughs> most uh, most likely. I don't want to say definitely. Most. <laughs> nice. Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on both Instagram and Twitter at M Munzenrider. That's me. Templeton, where are you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. See you guys next week. See ya.